I think being re- being responsible with financial decisions and with hiring decisions is just as important to the company culture as all the nice to have things that cost a lot of money. If you're not being financially responsible, I don't think you have the opportunity to, to breed a high quality company culture. Hey, everybody, and welcome to the Incident Report presented by Quest Technology Management. I'm Paul Burke, Director of Technology Communications. Every week, I'm joined by VP of Sales and Partnerships, Adam Burke. The Incident Report brings you conversations with thought leaders, business innovators, and channel mavericks to help you stay productive and agile in a changing technology landscape. Hey, everybody, welcome back to the Incident Report. I'm your host, Paul Burke. Across from me, Adam, how are you doing? Good, Paul. Excited to be here. We are coming up on the holiday weekend, Memorial Day, end of June, rolling into summer. Excited for things that are transitioning and uh, going along in the partner community, in the channel. Got a lot to talk about today. I'm fired up, fully caffeinated. Let's get going. Yeah, me too. So speaking about fully caffeinated, Adam, I went to grocery outlet, found some coffee, significantly discounted, bought four big pallets of this stuff. I'm loaded with coffee. I'm fully caffeinated as well. I'll have caffeine for the foreseeable future for months. Very excited. Paul, I'm not quite sure what grocery outlet is, but I appreciate the vein of buying out the discount coffee. So yes. Adam, you may not know what grocery outlet is, but somebody out there is running. Somebody out there is on elliptical machine right now, nodding vigorously saying, I know what grocery outlet is. Paul's just like me. They lost me when they did the uh, the puppet commercial that was dancing around, rocking out, trying to rip off the Muppets. I, I ever since that, I, I just, I just, I can't, I can't step foot in, a, in, in one of those stores. I just, just can't do it. Wow. I appreciate the game, but you know that that Muppets uh, Muppets Dance Jam and Super Bowl thirty seven or whatever really threw me off. Okay, what an important message for marketers around the world right now, because that's where they found me, is during that <laughs> dance. So you lose some, you gain some with marketing. That's true. That's true. It takes all different kinds, Paul. Look at that. Who thought we'd get some like valuable marketing insight out of talking about grocery outlet? Someone called Gary V. But he needs to write this down. He needs to write this down, Gary V style. Let's go. And I'm going to turn this into 30 forms of content, Gary V style. Yep. Get it. Get the snippets. Get it going. Get it rolled out on LinkedIn. Let's get some little vignettes going. Get some audio text across the bottom. Powerful stuff. <laughs> All right, so let's get it going. Uh, We want to jump over Channel Futures, really interesting article about talent retention and how advisors, MSPs, MSSPs are, how they're holding on to talent. Adam, what did you think of the article? It was good. You know, they had some information around what's kind of driving people transitioning from one role to another. We're seeing a lot of layoffs in the channel from from a provider standpoint. So new talent coming into into the consultant and advisor pools. So I think it's everything's in flux. I thought it was a great, great timed article, and it was cool to hear some of the uh, some of the insights from the the folks over at Opex and, and Keystone and, and Rise and those guys. There's some great trusted advisors that were mentioned in this article. It mentioned in the last couple of years that salaries have gone up 15 to 20 percent. Have you been seeing that regionally? Is that just across the board, 15, 20 percent? Depends on what people are doing and what they're what they're focusing on. Some people like the the salary plus benefits game. Some people are more focused on on uh, growing revenue and targets. It really really depends the type of person and the type of uh, sales environment people are walking into. 
It was mentioning that one of the biggest problems to retaining talent is sales reps moving on to vendors because vendors can offer more higher salary, more days off. But I think it made a really interesting point that a lot of the vendors have been laying people off. So some talent has resisted moving to to the vendor opportunities because makes them think again, maybe that's not where I should go. Well, the layoffs are kind of signaling to folks that, yeah, that that cushy salary is good, but as you're the last in, you're going to be the first out. And that's kind of a tough place to be. So I think people are evaluating their long-term strategies. I don't, I don't really have much personal experience in this. I've had two jobs as an adult in my entire life. I was an infantry officer and then I worked for Quest. So, and I've been out of college for over, over 20 years now. So I, I don't really have a lot of personal experience with this, but I mm -hmm. talk to reps all the time. I talk to partner advisors. We're always hiring and bringing on new, new people. We're trying to grow our channel team right now. So you hear a lot and you see a lot out there in the market. And it really just depends on how people want to grow their own personal practice. So kind of like what, what they value. Yeah. I mean, there's the entrepreneurial types who, hey, you know, eat what you kill, right? You go out there, you want to be commission-based and you want to go out there and hunt big deals or stack monthly reoccurring revenue over and over again. Mm -hmm. And you don't really want to worry about a salary or certain things like that. There's there's agency programs out there and there's, you know, 100% commissions programs out there, um, high risk, high return. But there's also organizations that, Hey, you want a you want a salary? You want a comfortable comfortable kind of uh, security blanket to have? That's that's totally fine too. You just gotta kind of evaluate what that's gonna look like, and each one has an upside. I was joking around with a recruiter the other day because I get I get hit up by recruiters all the time. For I see you're the VP of Sales or whatever request, and I got these great I got these great killers out there who are just crushing their numbers, just crushing their numbers. And it's funny to me, and I don't know if other people in the channel see this, but I, I always, I'm always curious what they're looking for. And um, it's funny that, that the recruiter is obviously comps. And this goes back to, I know it's an uncomfortable conversation that you have when vendors come in, but a, a recruiter or a sales placement person is just another salesperson. And they're comped based on the salary that they get for their, whoever they place, right? When, when you recruit someone. So they're very, very big on making sure that whoever they place with you gets a certain salary level because that's how they make money. But it's always funny because if, if people are really crushing numbers and killing quota and all that kind of stuff, and you offer them a highly incentivized comp model where it's low salary, but high return when you actually produce results, a lot of people talk a good game, but when it comes down to that money decision around hey, pay for performance, eat what you kill and make six, seven figure income versus I really want to make, there's a range right now that everyone kind of wants as their comfortable base. I'd say 85% of the people revert to that comfortable base and, and, and kind of leave the whole eat what you kill model aside. Everyone talks a good game. There's a joke in the, you know, everyone wants to be an army ranger until it's time to do army ranger stuff. It's, Everyone wants to be a tough guy until it's time to do tough guy stuff. It's one of those sales mantras. It's like everyone's a great closer until it's time to actually close. And I, I see a lot of people kind of revert to the safety net. Not that there's anything wrong with that, but that's the trend I'm definitely seeing. Well, I'm going to be honest, Adam. I love a good safety net. I can, <laughs> I think, I think I'd make a great army ranger until I had to do ranger stuff. I mean, hell, I think I'd be a great seal until I had to do seal stuff. I'd be incredible oh. until I had to do things. Yes.
Yeah, that's that. Well, it's it's just one of those things that, and one of the things that I liked about the article, back to the article, was people are getting creative with their compensation and their incentives, right? So yeah. there's different ways of attaining goals. It's not all revenue based. It's not all quota based. There's, there's different incentives that are being put together out there. I think it helps with retention in the long run. I, and you know, I think simplifying the comp plans. I talk to agents all the time. No one likes to have to do calculus to figure out how they're going to make money. Everyone hates that that game, the comp plan game. As far as like, okay, you carry the seven, move the two, and two standard deviations away. Like we're we're salespeople because we didn't necessarily accelerate in advanced linear algebra, right? That's not exactly what we all did great at in school. So having to do complex comp plans, if you want to retain people, make it simple for them to understand how they're going to make money. I think that's such a great point. Keep it simple. Keep it easy to understand because then it can be better appreciated. We're kind of talking our own shop here, but a lot of organizations, I know another article we're going to talk around about, about some platforms is a lot of people are coming to understand the monthly reoccurring and the annual contract and total contract value versus one-time sales or non-reoccurring one-time transactions. Mm-hmm. They all have their place. CapEx versus OpEx spending, that's driven by compensation. I know everyone everyone always hates to say it and everyone says, yes, client first and we're, we're here for the best outcome of the client and all that kind of thing, which is absolutely true. Long-term relationships are built on executing for your client, but your sales force is going to move and going to position things with their customer conversations based on how they get paid. And mm-hmm. so it's critical to create that, that compensation plan that is a client first, but at the same time, how do, how do you want your people to position things? Annual contracts, monthly reoccurring, or do you want to move, do you still want to move hardware? Do you still want to move software licensing subscriptions and things like that? How do you want to, how do you want to do that? And then how are you going to pay your people on the monthly reoccurring charges? We Quest started selling software and hardware services as a service, bundling those things together 15, 16, 17 years ago. We started selling managed services, monitoring and alerting 25 years ago. We came from the VAR world where our reps were very used to drop shipping product, selling mm-hmm. product, one-time transactions, and basically getting compensated based on gross profit. Now it takes a long time to, to transition those compensation models to hey, customers aren't necessarily buying one-time transactions. They're subscribing to services. They're adding incremental additional services to their monthly reoccurring charges. You know, How do you compensate your sales team for that? You got to figure out a way to, to make sure that your, your sales team and the people out there positioning things and communicating with your clients are incentivized based on how people are, are consuming. And it's it feels like a lot of people are finally kind of on, on board with that, even to the vendor manufacturer uh, world they're 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 fully involved in that and i think a lot of that has to do with wall street and the investor class private equity those those folks focusing on monthly reoccurring and contract value and it started probably started with things like netflix and subscription services getting highly valued by those in the, in the wall street community understanding like hey this monthly reoccurring sticky revenue has some long-term value in your opinion, how important is company culture? Because in this article, a couple of the MSPs mentioned, hey, one of the ways we retain employees is making our company culture very welcoming, very flexible for families, for people who are very involved with sports, activities, 
after school events? I think the culture is is relevant to the talent you want to have, right? So if you want to create kind of a family style environment where you celebrate birthdays and you have team meetings and you have, you know, updates and all those kind of things for the team and that's what you want to build. I think that works to a point. Um, I think that works to an organizational level. And then you can do that within teams, valuing the people you have on your team and making mm-hmm. sure that they're taken care of is is always a, a company. But every every culture is a little bit different, right? Like our our company culture is high sense of urgency, respond, help people with challenges, be very, very proactive and very flat organization. We tend to make decisions quickly and, and get try to get things done as quickly as we can based on a customer's need. Some companies are very, hey, let's evaluate, let's review, let's figure out our, our corporate message and our, our direction and those types of things. I think every culture is different based on the people you want to have working for you. Sometimes some of the culture stuff, though, I think is a little soft. Just to be honest, like you see so many like best places to work in XYZ city and everyone's championing the people first and all this kind of stuff. And you see those best places to work ads. And then six months later, you see the 20% reduction in force, mm-hmm. but they just kind of slide in there. And it's like, well, so which one is it? Is it, is it the best place to work in this city? Or did you just kind of slash headcount and slide that under the payroll? I mean, it's great to have like coffee bars and cereal stations and a barista on staff. But if you're getting, if you're getting whacked when it takes a downturn, I don't know, that, that, that culture of retention can be, can be a challenging thing. I think it's a little bit, I, I definitely think there's some merit to it, but I think there might be some, some marketing spin to that as well. Not to be not to be cynical or jaded or anything like that at all, which I'm not. I think that's a I think that's a fair point. Like, yeah, exactly. How much are you valuing company culture if you're letting go people frequently? So, well, yeah. I think sometimes I think sometimes the company culture, I think being re- being responsible with with financial decisions and with hiring decisions is just as important to the company culture as all the nice to have things that cost a lot of money. If you're not being financially responsible. I don't think you have the opportunity to to breed a high quality company culture. I think you, I think there's some responsibility there that comes along with the niceties. And what are your thoughts? We would love to know. You can read the article yourself on channelfutures.com. Link is in the description of this podcast. Up next, Adam, we're moving over to channel2e.com, where Ingram Micro has turned itself into a platform company. Digital transformation is not a small job, so how did Ingram Micro manage to pull it off so quickly? Here's a look at some of the tactics. Those tactics include the spirit, the plan, architecture, tech, and government. That is the secret sauce. Adam, what did you think of the article and why is it so important to become a platform company? Yeah, I think it was I think it's interesting. And we deal with this distributors all the time. We've been a value-added reseller for a long time. It is a bit of an arms race between the distributor class to figure out who's going to you know, create a platform that makes the transaction purchasing and the resale of technology as simple as possible. And we're seeing this across the space. This caught my attention. Ingram Micro, definitely a large player in the distribution game, but we're seeing multiple different strategies here. We're seeing the technology kind of strategy of, of, of building a platform where it's a digital marketplace where, you know, a reseller like Quest can go in and establish a relationship with Ingram or another dist- for their platform specifically and use their purchasing availability with software providers to sell licensing subscriptions to customers who need to, to, to acquire them. 
they're making it easy. Organizations are making it easy to, to procure licensing and resell it, but there are multiple paths to those manufacturers, to the Microsofts of the world, the Veeams, the Cisco's, the VMware, the, all the different products out there. These platform companies are trying to figure out a way to give everybody a single point, one, one ring to rule them all kind of a model mm. where, hey, bring them all in, bring the, the resellers in and create that ecosystem and make it easy for them to sell the stuff and use them as a, as a distribution hub. It's great. I think it's a scalable model and it's something that they're all trying to scale on. We, we work with uh, technology brokers who have their own platform angles and their own platform approaches, right? So you have the Intellisys of the world. You know, we're a supplier for a lot of the big technology service brokers out there, right? So the Talarises, the Intellisys, the Vance of the world. And they all kind of have their own strategy, right? They all kind of have their own, hey, this is how we're going to do it. Talaris released Solution View for their cloud practice uh, last week. So Patrick was out on LinkedIn kind of evangelizing their new Solution View that helps advisors and partners pick the appropriate uh, capacity and bring that to service providers like Quest. Avant, they have their Evelocity platform and their their Pathfinder 2.0 that was released to channel partners. That was pretty exciting to see. They're Jake and his team, they're re-architecting that. We got to have Jake on the podcast, by the way. He's building out the Pathfinder. So that'd be great to have him on to talk about that. And then you have the Intellisys of the world. They they got bought by ScanSource, which is a large distributor in of its own right that that competes with the Ingram Micros of the world. And and they're building out their platform that enables their sales agents and their community to bring solutions to people. They, a lot of it is about speed and addressing a need quickly. Mm. How do, you know, people aren't very patient these days <laughs> waiting for something to happen. Critical to any of these guys who are trying to build these scalable platforms is how do I get a transaction as quickly and frictionless as possible? That's a big driver for all these groups trying to figure out how to do that. And I think that's the spirit of it is they kind of broke it down to four areas here, the spirit, the plan, the architecture, tech, and the governance. The spirit and the plan is is around getting that done quickly. The architecture is how they're actually going to function on that and what technology they're going to deliver. And the governance is that operational piece, right? How are we actually going to manage all these assets that we have out in the wild from a subscription standpoint? How are we going to continue to teach? How are we going to continue to bring in more people? But the funny thing is the marketplace that's actually being captured by the channel right now is still... I think it's less than 30% of IT spend. I was listening to um, Peter, we had on the podcast a couple of weeks ago. He hosted a channel event. I think it was sponsored by Airspring and they had all the TSBs on there. And I think all the major technology service brokers, I think there was Sandler Partners, Intellisys, Avant, Talaris, AppDirect. I don't think I'm not sure if I'm missing anyone, but I think that was the top five TSBs. And I think they mentioned that with all of those people, all those channel partners, everybody represented, I think it still represented less than 20% of the IT spend it's amazing. In, in the world. Yeah. So, I mean, millions of dollars, but it's still just still a small piece of it. And the other organizations like Ingram and Arrow and TD Cinex, they're billion dollar companies as well. So there's a huge opportunity if you can help make transactions seamless and basically help people get what they need quickly. Yeah, it'll be interesting to see what happens in the near future. And speaking of seamless transitions, Adam, what's coming up this week? What are you looking forward to? 
seamless transition. Ah, I don't know, just plugging away. We've got uh, we're kind of a holiday week here coming into uh, the long weekend, kicking off summer. Things are going well. We're Quest is, we continue to see, we talk to people all the time about uh, cybersecurity services and helping folks out. So we're seeing a lot of people take advantage of our cybersecurity checkups and helping people address what they need from a cybersecurity standpoint. So that's been really going well. We have a reputational assessment that that people have been taking advantage of. That's been keeping our people busy. And then uh, I'm excited. We got our partner forum coming up. I believe it's on the seventh of June or coming up that that week. So we're gonna have our partner forum. So we're getting ready for that. We're gonna be talking about kind of an all included Quest Flex as a service for wireless services and audio visual and video surveillance. We've put together some trying to in line with what we're talking about with the platform and the Ingram type of services, we're trying to make it easy for our customers and our client and our partners to consume technology that includes different building blocks. You got the endpoint video surveillance, you got the cabling, and you have the internet services. So typically that could be three different vendors involved. You could have a VAR to sell you the, the endpoints. You could have a carrier to sell you the, the circuits, and then you could have you know a cabling organization or general contractor come help with the build. Mm. Quest does all those things. And what we've done is we've decided, hey, let's wrap those together in a simple consumable cost per unit model and just make it, hey, we're going to come in and for X amount per month per device or per camera or per door, per audiovisual deployment, this is what it is. We'll handle the cabling. We'll handle the carrier services. We'll handle the endpoints and the ongoing managed services and give you a clean delivery as a service. So we're going to be talking about that in detail at our partner forum, which I think is going to be a lot of fun. I will include some links to all that information so you can find out more. And Adam, thanks again for joining us. Have an amazing week. And everybody listening, thank you for joining us. And we'll see you next week. Thanks, everyone. Have a great week. Thanks so much for listening. The Incident Report is brought to you by Quest Technology Management. With over 40 years of experience, Quest is a leading technology integrator working seamlessly with your staff and systems to achieve your IT goals. Learn more about everything they do at questsys.com. And if you have questions or suggestions for the podcast, you can always email Adam and myself at theincidentreport at questsys.com. We hope you have a great week and we'll see you next time.